Good afternoon. My name is Mike. It's great that you could join us this afternoon for our first carol service. Isn't it terrific having the choir and the band? They've been absolutely awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, it's been such a delight, such a joy to be able to sing together. Um, so I just wanted to spend the next few minutes just talking a little bit about what Christmas is, is really about. So I just wanted to pose this question to you. How would you sum up Christmas in one word or one thing? Just as I say that, what pops into your head? Might be kind of turkey or nut roast, depending on whether you're vegetarian or not. Um, presents under Christmas trees and flashing lights, as you see around here. Santa Claus, stockings, elves, Michael Bublé, or Lad Baby. <laughs> Apparently they collaborate, if you don't know what Lad, who Lad Baby are, they've been number one on the Christmas charts for the last few years, singing about sausage rolls and stuff. They're collaborating with Elton John and Ed Sheeran this year, apparently. Uh, if you don't know about it, look it up after this. It's worth listening to them. But look, Christmas, it, all of those things that you're thinking of in your mind, I think they all push towards one thing. And this is the one word I'd love us to focus on this afternoon, just for a few minutes. And it's the word joy. And what I mean by joy is more than being or feeling happy. Joy, in the way I want us to think about it, is is that sense of feeling complete satisfaction of our deepest longings. To know that our lives are anchored in something that is so, so good, that even in down times, there's this deep sense of joy that brings you peace. That's the joy I want us to think about. And you know what? That is what Christmas is actually really about. That is what I'd love all of us to go away with, with this joy this Christmas. And I think our culture really longs for this, particularly after the last couple of years. John T. alluded to it earlier. It's been pretty tough for so many people. People are longing for this sort of joy in their lives. Think back to Christmas last year, where there really didn't seem to be much joy around. Christmas plans and parties were completely scuppered for almost all of us. I'm not going to go there. I'm going to be good. I'm not going there. Well, look, okay. <laughs> Get that out of your head. Okay, and this year, this year, like, this year, the reality is a lot of us are praying that the same thing won't happen again. We're checking the news daily, just hoping. We could all do with some joy this Christmas. And I want us to see the sort of joy that the Christian faith speaks of. Because this is the sort of joy that lasts, that you can anchor your life in. On your seats, you would have found these cards. And there, there's a little passage printed for you from the Bible. And this passage really shows us what joy really means. So feel free to take that up and follow with me as I read. This is taken from the Bible. This is not just my own thinking. This is from God's Word. Um, I realize for some of you it might be a bit dark, so we have put it on the screen as well, so you can follow along there. But let me read. This is a passage from Luke, chapter 19, verses 1 to 10. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today, salvation has come to this house, because this man, too, is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save 
the lost. Now, if you're familiar with carol services and you know a little bit about the Bible, you might be a little bit surprised. You might have been expecting something on the wise men or, you know, the inn at Bethlehem. Well, Christmas is meant to be about surprises. And part of that surprise is that this passage contains a verse that really sums up the joy that Christmas is all about. And I want us to focus on that last verse. Uh, if you're not familiar with the Bible, the little number 10, that's the verse I'm talking about. Verse 10, right at the end, for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Real joy comes from knowing this verse and what it means. So I'm going to focus on these three verbs here, the three kind of doing words. It almost sounds like he came, he saw, he conquered, if that helps you to remember it. He came, he seeks, he saves. He came. If you went home later today, or if you went to work tomorrow, and somebody shouts at you, hey, they're here, what's the first thing that goes through your mind? Who are you talking about, and where have they come from? He came, who came? For the Son of Man. That's the title that Jesus has here. That is a very specific title from the Old Testament, where a person, somebody like the Son of Man, stands before God and he's given all authority over all nations and peoples, the entire universe, forever and ever. In other words, Jesus is making it clear that he has come from God, that he is the very Son of God, that he is the divine being who has always been. And that explains where he's from. He's not from this world. He's got the Son, fully God in his being, who's come from heaven who came, who left his throne room in heaven to come to be born as a human being like you and me, as a little helpless baby born in a manger in Bethlehem. This is what a lot of the carols that we've been singing are about. That is what these songs are saying. They celebrate that Jesus came away in a manger, no crib for a bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. Hark the herald that we've just sung a moment ago. The third verse there in that line Veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity in a mouthful of words. It just means this, that Jesus, the deity, the Son of God, came incarnate in flesh into the world to be born as a little baby in a manger. And that is joyful news, that God would come in flesh as a human being to be with us, Emmanuel, to be with us. But why did he come? Because Jesus came to seek. Who has he come to seek? or people like this man Zacchaeus. Let me tell you about this man Zacchaeus. This is taken from Luke's Gospel. Luke was a doctor who was an eyewitness investigating and looking at all the various things that Jesus was doing in his life. And here in this story, he wants us to pick up a few details about Zacchaeus. There are a couple of things we know about Zacchaeus straight away, that he is a tax collector and he's wealthy. But notice the little extra detail. He's not any old tax collector. He's the chief tax collector. He's the big cheese. You walk around Jericho, everyone knew who Zacchaeus was. So from a, at a glance, from his outwardly appearance, Zacchaeus seems to be a man who has a good house and a nice job. Sounds to me like he's pretty sorted. In our world today, you might think of me as somebody who works in the financial sector. I can say that because that's where I used to work. Seems absolutely fine and comfortable. But then Luke picks out a couple of other details. Zacchaeus is called a sinner by the crowd in verse 7. Literally, everybody in Jericho calls him by that name. Now, from, so far from what we've seen, he didn't seem all that bad. So why are they branding him a sinner? But don't let the outward appearance fool you. Just because they have a nice house and a good job doesn't mean they're all sorted. See, being a tax collector in those times wasn't the respectable job that we might be thinking of right now. 
Back then, the Jewish people were ruled by Romans, which meant tax collectors were working to take money from their friends, their Jewish mates, and take it back to the Romans. In other words, you are working for the enemy. So if you're the chief tax collector, you are public enemy number one. The other thing we find out about Zacchaeus was that he was willing to cheat people out of money and line his pockets. Verse 8. This was a sort of done thing by tax collectors back then, but he was doing this to his own people, to friends, to people he'd call family he'd grown up with. Now you can sort of see why people are calling him a sinner. Another way, that word seems quite heavy. Another way to think of it is that he was an outcast. He didn't belong. He was unwelcome in their presence. The question then becomes, okay, why would Zacchaeus do that? Because Zacchaeus' heart was captivated by his desire for financial success, for money. That was what defined him. That is what he thought would bring him joy. But as he worked his way up the ladder, he was finding himself more of an outcast than ever before. Now, let me be clear. There's, there's nothing wrong with career progression or money in and of itself. The problem was Zacchaeus' love for it, what was going on in his heart. See, what something like money or career progression does is it magnifies what's really going on in the depths of our hearts. And so for Zacchaeus, it was magnifying that money had become everything to him. His hope, his security, his identity, his joy, it was all wrapped up in this. That is why he was able to work as a tax collector and unashamedly cheat his friends out of money. So now you see who Zacchaeus is, who he is. There he is as an outcast, rejected by his friends, his family, by society. Rich on the outside, but empty on the inside. And this is a shadow of a much deeper issue. The issue that he was an outcast, a sinner before God. Because Zacchaeus was seeking joy away from the very person who had created and who gives joy. By placing his hope in money, he had lost connection with the very being who gives life with God himself. And so Zacchaeus was not only in danger of being a complete outcast in society and the world, which, by the way, is something I think we, a lot of us live in fear of, of one day being found out and rejected and being unwelcome. But see, that points to the greater problem, that he was in danger of being an outcast in the world to come, in the presence of God for eternity. He had little to no joy in this world today, and he will certainly not see joy in eternity, the way he was going. And that is exactly what Jesus meant when he said he had come to seek and save the lost. Jesus came to seek out sinners, outcasts before God, people exactly like Zacchaeus. See, that's the thing. As human beings, we are naturally captivated by things that aren't God, where other things become our hope, our security, the things that we pursue and love, just like Zacchaeus, whether that is Money or relationships or reputation and success, whatever that may be in your life that grips you, that drives you. And you may have found it can cause problems in our human relationships at times, but it most certainly will cause eternal problems with our relationship with God. And that is the danger that Jesus warns of here, of that lostness before God. Some of you may have walked through those doors this afternoon feeling that lostness after the last few years, that emptiness, that lingering doubt to think, is this really my true source of joy? In other ways, I think it comes through in this expression of restlessness. It's like an itch you can't scratch. You jump around from thing to thing, hoping that this might bring you joy. And it sort of works for a little bit, but then that itch just comes back, that restlessness comes back. Maybe that's why you're here. And maybe, just maybe, you've seen a glimpse of that deep joy in your friend, in your colleague, 
in your neighbor, whoever's brought you along this afternoon. Perhaps that's why you're sitting in this odd-shaped school hall, because you've heard and seen something about this Jesus who seems to anchor your friend in this peace and joy. And I wonder if that's what Zacchaeus was feeling. The Bible doesn't explicitly say that, but but think about it for a moment. See, whenever you see kids climbing a tree, you don't think twice about it, do you? You just think, oh, look at those kids, they're having fun. But when you see a grown man climb a tree, you sort of start asking questions. What is he doing there? That is the Zacchaeus moment. People who are familiar with the story, that is what they remember. Zacchaeus stuck in a tree. Here's a grown man, the big cheese, who becomes like my little daughter when we go to Vauxhall City Farm and she can't see over the side. But, Mommy, I just want to see. She sounds much cuter than that. But I just want to see. Perhaps that's your heart right now. I just, I just want to see about this Jesus, this baby born in a manger. You're having your Zacchaeus moment. That's you right now. Just stay there in the tree. Don't come down. Because look at what the Son of Man comes to do. He came to seek. That is why Jesus came. To seek people like Zacchaeus, like you and me. I sometimes like watching these cheesy Hollywood action movies. I don't know if you like doing that. Usually a total waste of time. But sometimes in those movies, you see these things called heat-seeking missiles. They do exactly what it says on the tin. They seek out anything that gives off heat, and they will chase it and follow it and pursue it until they get there. Jesus is like the lost-seeking missile. He seeks out Zacchaeus. He seeks out those who are lost. He pushes through the crowd and he beelines straight for the tree. And can you imagine the impact when Jesus calls him by his name, Zacchaeus? Like a little kid stuck in a tree, and now he's like a little kid getting an autograph or selfie with his idol. Whether that's Ariana Grande or Cristiano Ronaldo or the Teletubbies, whoever, whichever way you want to go. But here's the thing. Do you realize Jesus is doing this today, even now? He came to seek those who are lost. He still comes today to seek those who are lost. That is why he came. That is why we can have joy this Christmas because we know that the Son of God is seeking us out like a lost seeking missile. But here's the last thing. Here's the greater joy. Jesus, the lost seeking missile, doesn't seek to come and destroy his target, but he comes to save. The Son of Man came to seek and save. See, to invite yourself or to to be a guest at somebody's house, that was a sign of deep friendship in those days. Did you notice that Zacchaeus actually doesn't invite Jesus in? Jesus invites himself in. He says to Zacchaeus, you know what? I've come to this earth for people like you. I've come to seek people like you, and I've come to save people like you. See, as a sinner, as an outcast, Zacchaeus had no right to be a friend of God unless somebody Somebody who was worthy would welcome him in. And that is exactly what Jesus had come come to do. As God in the flesh, he was coming to say, you're not an outcast anymore. Come with me. That is what Zacchaeus had come to realize, which is why he scampers down the tree and he welcomes Jesus gladly. And at the end of verse 6, it literally says gladly, but that actually means joyfully. See, here finally is the joy that Zacchaeus has been seeking. Here is the good news of Christmas unfolding in Zacchaeus' life. That the Son of God would enter this world, would come and seek him out and come to save him. Right there is undeserved joy for Zacchaeus. 
And just look at his reaction. Look, Jesus didn't ask him to give away his wealth. Zacchaeus does this, does this in response to Jesus coming into his life because his heart that was once so captivated for financial success is now captivated for something greater. The hope of joy that he couldn't find in his wealth, he has now found it in something, in someone better. And the change is radical. Let me try and give you a sense of how big this change is. Um, if you're in the Twitter sphere, if you're still in Twitter, I'm a millennial, so that's why I'm in Twitter. You're probably all on TikTok and stuff now. Um, there's a guy called Elon Musk. You might have heard of him. He owns Tesla. I don't know if you saw this, but he had this Twitter kind of conversation with David Beasley, who's the UN World Food Program chief, who tweeted and said, look, if Elon Musk gave away a small part of his wealth, he would end world hunger. Pretty bold claim. And Elon Musk, being Elon Musk, saw this and went, oh, okay. So he replied saying, okay, you come up with a plan. If I like it, I'll send you the money. And they, were, they had this little thing. It's gone a bit quiet now, so I'm not sure what's happened to it. But at the end of the, end of the conversation, they came up with a plan, and he said 6.6 .6 billion US dollars would end world hunger. That is a lot of money, 6.6 .6 billion. But let me just tell you this. Elon Musk is worth $280 billion. Now, if you can do maths really quickly, 6.6 .6 billion is about 2% of his wealth. Can you imagine what it would be like if he gave away 50% of it? Do you now see the scope of what's going on with Zacchaeus? He's willing to give away half of his wealth, but then on top of that, give away four times the amount he's cheated others out of. This is drastic. How could something like this happen? Because of the hope and joy found in Jesus. And what comfort it would have been to hear Jesus confirm this when he says, today, salvation has come to this house because this man, too, is a son of Abraham. Son of Abraham is just another way to say to Zacchaeus, look, you're now welcomed as a child of God. See, the joy that Zacchaeus has come to realize is this, that he can give away all his material wealth in this world. He could let go of his title as chief tax collector and still be rich because he holds something more valuable. He has life. He has security. He has joy from now into eternity with Jesus. That is undeserved joy. And get this. Zacchaeus today is sitting in glory with Jesus experiencing this joy to the full. Jesus came. He left the riches of heaven to be born in a manger in Bethlehem. Jesus seeks. Like the lost-seeking missile, he's the shepherd searching for his lost sheep. And Jesus saves. This points forward to Easter, where Zacchaeus, where Zacchaeus climbed a tree to see Jesus. He would soon see Jesus nailed to a tree so that people like Zacchaeus, people like you and me, could be called a child of God. This is the Christmas story. This is the story that brings joy. And this story continues to unfold today. And my hope is that you might want to be a part of this story too. That you might climb that tree to see Jesus, to see Jesus seeking you out, saying, look, I want to come into your home, into your life. Will you welcome me in? Would you do that this afternoon? If you'd love to, I'd love to pray with you. I'm, I'm really friendly, I am. But if you feel nervous about that, just pray with, with your friend who's brought you today. And if you're still not sure, would you at least consider coming back to explore more? To see more of Jesus, to see why Zacchaeus, to see why your friends, why we as a church have given our lives to follow this man, Jesus. Because in him, you can find that deep, deep joy that we all long for. Let me pray.
for us as we finish. For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Father, we thank you so much for sending your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to come to this earth, to be born in a manger in Bethlehem, to seek, to seek those who are lost, to save, to give life, to fulfill our deep longing for joy once and for all. Pray that we would know him. Pray that we would look to him. Pray that we would trust him and follow him. In Jesus' name, amen.